Welcome to the Edinburgh Vineyard Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us, please visit edinburghvineyard.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. It's so lovely to see you all this morning. If you haven't met me, my name's Kate. Um, excuse my voice. We were in. Um, we were driving up from Nottingham last night, and um, we uh, we had the air conditioning on in the car, and I've gone all husky. So um, I'm. So- and then I went clubbing. <laughs> then I was in at like five, and actually I haven't been home. Just came straight here. I mean, there I was on the tables, Duncan. I mean, I will survive. There I was. <laughs> that would be such a sorry sight. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, my name's Kate, married to Ben. I'm going to start with a wee story, which um, I'm just going to watch Ben's reaction because it's just, anyways, I'm just going to go with it. So um, I have got his permission to tell you this. Um, I want to tell you a story about when uh, Ben and I have been going out for a while. So this is where back when we were like um, 20 and 19 and uh, 20 and 19, it was all going well, you know, it's kind of getting a bit serious and um, you think, oh, this might, this, this like might be a marriage thing in the future. And um, it got to this point, oh, it just makes, if the, I think the boys are on their way, I better tell you the story before they get here. Ben was trying to tell me for the first time that he loved me. <laughs> so, if you, so if you've ever been in this situation before, um, you've seen it in the films, let me tell you, it wasn't like that. It wasn't all angels singing and a choir and da-da-da-da, and, and music starts. So... Um, we were on a walk and um, Ben had obviously given this a lot of thought, you know, now was the time that he was going to tell me that he loved me. So we're walking along, he starts talking, he starts talking about the different forms of love in the Bible. <laughs> and I just knew where it was going. I'm like, oh no, I know where this is going. And he says, um, you know, there's this, um, <laughs> he goes, you know, there's, um, you know, there's these different types of love in the Bible. Um, there's this, there's this one called like agape and, um, and I was just, I could see where it was going. And he's like, you know, like in John three sixteen, when God says, <laughs> when God so loved the world, he gave his only son for you, whoever died, there's that's one sort of love. And then he goes, and then there's another type of love. And I just was like, I can't bear this. <laughs> I can't bear this anymore. Stop talking like this. It's just cringing me out completely. So um, he goes, um, he's stumbling for a bit, looking really uncomfortable. And he goes, just anyway, uh, well, I just want to tell you that I love you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is that painless, darling? There's a, there's a reason why I'm telling this. So, um, yeah, 25 years this August, right? So that's not bad. It, it, it wasn't, um, it, well, it, yeah, whatever. Oh, I can see it now. <laughs> Obviously, of course, you guys would never have experienced such a thing. I'm sure you would have been articulate and succinct and, you know, everything. 
But my, the reason I'm telling you that is because the Bible is full. It's absolutely full of different ways of God trying to communicate his love for people. So um, I don't know, take Jesus on the cross. There's a huge one, right? Because he loves you so much. You know, God sent his son to die for you. That's a huge communication of love. And yet it's like, I don't know, you tell me what you think. But I think it's like the, the love word is sometimes overused these days. It's like, why is it that it, you know, if I said to you, for example, um, God loves you. I don't know whether it would land. Do you know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, that's nice. Or, you know, it's like, it's like it doesn't seem to land anymore. So why is it that it seems like such a major moment when a boyfriend or a girlfriend said that they love each other for the first time? It's like this really big deal. And yet when God says it to us, like constantly, every time we open the Bible, it just doesn't seem to land or it doesn't have the same effect. You know, what was that about? So we're going to be really fancy this morning and we're going to use the original Hebrew. Emily is going to look at me and smile at this point as a Hebrew scholar. Um, you are going to leave this morning having learned a Hebrew word, which reveals how God feels about you, how much he loves you. And that Hebrew word said very well with a um, air conditioned voice is, is chesed. Okay. Chesed, as in, you know, like um, when Phil talks about a lake in Scotland. Go on, that lake would be? Uh, there you go, the ch. So the Hebrew is the, is you need to do a ch at the front. So um, I'd like you to turn to your neighbours and say chesed. And again. There you go. There you go. And we hear this word chesed. In the book of um, Exodus, which we have been looking at for the last three weeks, and we hear God speaking this word chesed um, to Moses. And he's revealing, he's on Mount Sinai, God's passing in front of Moses. And this is the time, this is like this big time when God is telling Moses what God himself is like. And this is God describing himself. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in chesed, in love and faithfulness. You see, we translate the original Hebrew chesed to be abounding in love. But um, do you know, it's so much more than that. We, we haven't really got a really good English translation for it, um, which is a shame. So we sometimes just have to say, this is what God is like. It's like chesed. It's like... Um, it's like, you know, if I, you know, we sometimes use language, other languages for words like deja vu. It's so much easier than going, you know, remember that thing I thought about, you know, I think about it again. You know, it's just like, oh, everyone knows what deja vu is. Or if we all say we're going on mass, you know, that French, is it French? Yeah, French. We all go on mass. Um, there's loads of them, Latin, bona fide. You know, you know, we just use other languages all the time, but we can't seem to. Um, translate this word brilliantly. So instead of me trying to explain this love of God in English, I'm going to try and paint you a picture instead of how much God loves you. So hopefully I want you to go away knowing a Hebrew word. Jazzy, I know you're excited about that. 
and you know that it's for you so that it lands. Okay, my point is that this lands with you. It's not just a, yeah, God loves you. So I want you to imagine an elderly man and a woman who've been married for like 57 years. The wife gets really sick and she can't care for herself anymore. And so the husband dedicates his time to full-time like caring and bathing and pushing wheelchairs and dressing her and caring for her. That's an example of chesed. It's a concrete thing. It's a thing that the husband actually does. So the husband just doesn't sit on the sofa and, and says he loves his wife. That's not chesed. But also if he was just a nurse being paid, like with no affection whatsoever, that was his job, that wouldn't be chesed either. Do you see the difference? There's this, it's this concrete act of love. It's a doing thing. And it comes out of, of like a choice. It's a choice. And it's within a covenant relationship. So within this marriage or with God, with his people, or between two people. And there's no payment, nothing involved. And it's full of affection. It's such a beautiful word. And um, I want to tell you a story. There's a family. There was a family living in a time of famine and in a place called Moab. People were dying from lack of food. It was a horrible, horrible time. And in this famine, there was an elderly mum and her two sons and their wives. And sadly, over time, the two sons died, just leaving the elderly mum and her two daughters-in-law. And this family was an Israelite family. Mum was called Naomi. Her daughters-in-law were called Ruth and Orpah. And what's interesting about this story is because there's no food and it's awful, mum Naomi, now with two sons who've died and a husband who's died, she's like, I'm going to go back home to my to where I've come from. It's a long way back, but there's literally nothing here for her. Her future is bleak and there's no men in the family to look after her. And so um, she decides to go back to a place called Bethlehem. And so she says to her daughters-in-law, you know, you, you two need to go back. You don't need to be with me anymore. You two need to go back. And you've been wonderful daughters-in-law, but you go, I'll be okay. And so one daughter-in-law, her name is Orpah, she goes back. But the other daughter-in-law, Ruth, refuses to leave her mother-in-law, Naomi. She just doesn't want to leave her. And this story is in the Bible, in the book of Ruth. I'm just going to read it to you. And um, I just want you to see and to hear the, the example of chesed in this story, of God's abounding love in this story. Okay, here we go. Lots of big words at the beginning I might just miss out. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. This man's name was, um, here we go, Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Vlad and Blah. They were hmm, from Bethlehem. They lived in Judah, in Bethlehem. And they went to Moab 
and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. And after they'd lived there about 10 years, both Naomi's sons also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she'd been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord do chesed with you, as you have shown chesed to me and to your dead husbands. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. She kissed them goodbye. They wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it's bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. And this is a really thing I want you to hear. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So they go back home. And later on in the story, they settle back in Bethlehem. And when the people hear about this promise that Ruth had made, people like a guy called Boaz, he's an important guy in this story. Boaz calls what Ruth did an act of chesed towards Naomi. Can you see that? Can you see that act of love towards Naomi? Ruth, Ruth had nothing. Naomi had nothing. But Naomi had less in a way because she was older. Naomi can't promise Ruth that when they get to Jerusalem, there'll be land waiting for them. Naomi has literally nothing to offer Ruth. She can't even say that Ruth will be safe you know, along the way. Two vulnerable women, like, traveling together. There's absolutely nothing in it. There's nothing in it at all. And yet she's almost swearing this oath to her with no expectation of anything in return. So what had Naomi got or done to deserve this, this love from Ruth? What had she done? What have you got or done to deserve God's abounding love for you? There's nothing. 
I think God wants you to hear two things this morning really quickly. Firstly, let's replicate this, like this chesed, this Hebrew word for love. One of the ways we talk about how we become followers of Jesus is by following his ways. And you become the person you're called to be by showing chesed to those around you. You're imitating the character of God when you do something for something for someone and you get nothing back. You know, a gift is not a gift if it's conditional. Saying you love someone is not chesed. Doing something for someone without affection, if you're being paid to do it, is not this chesed. But doing something for someone with affection and generosity and love will change the world around you because you are mirroring this characteristic of God, of how God calls himself. You know, the best thing is when God sees you doing this, reflecting his character, he loves it. And I think some of us don't translate this kind of chesed to each other because no one's going to see us or we're not going to get any thanks for it or nobody's going to think, oh man, you're so wonderful the way you did that. You get nothing back. But let me tell you that when God sees it and when you are bringing joy to the King of Kings, that is the best feeling. And secondly and lastly, I... I felt that God wanted to show you, there's some of you here this morning who need to hear that God's love for you, his chesed, is not based on worthiness. God's love for you is unshakable. You have got nothing that God needs. Yet his love for you runs so deep. There's nothing that you can offer him that he doesn't need. Like you don't have anything. He's showing you love because that's his character. That's what he does. And just like that husband who cares for his elderly wife, that's how God tenderly cares for you and how he loves you. Just like Ruth did for Naomi. Here's the thing. You and I aren't worthy. (laughs) We're just not worthy. We're messed up people. And yet God scoops us up. He forgives you of all your stuff. Wrong decisions. Things we've done wrong. And he says, welcome into my family. That's the gospel, right? Jesus coming to scoop you up even though you have nothing to offer him. Because his chesed for you runs so deep. He says, welcome home. If you haven't allowed him to do that for you this morning, maybe now's the time to do it. If you've not received this this chesed, this abounding love for a while, oh man, don't we need that? I do. I'm like, I need to be full of this because, I don't know, maybe you're just a bit more holy than me. So I just, can we just stand and um, and see what the Lord wants to do? I think he wants us to have this idea of this chesed rooted in our hearts so come Holy Spirit we just invite you to come we invite you to come
And just imagine you're receiving a present, you know, you'd want to be like, just imagine you're receiving a present. Open, try and open up your hearts to just receive this chesed, this God's love for you. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come and deposit your love on every human heart in this room. Every human heart. Come, 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 Lord. I think there's some of you here that um, don't actually think that you're very lovable. Mm. And uh, I just want to break that lie off you. So in the name of Jesus, we just break that lie. If you believe that you're not lovable, that is not true. So we just break that lie over you. That is not the truth. You are lovable. You are cherished. You are wanted. Hmm. And I just get this picture of a, uh, a newborn baby, like um, just an image in my mind. Sometimes the Lord speaks to me that way of like, a, I think there's some of you who are... Um, you feel like you're coming, you've come into the world with nothing. And this picture of this newborn baby taking first breaths, crying out, vulnerable, naked. And I felt the Lord say, you have, you've had nothing to offer me then and you've got nothing to offer me now. But I've seen you and I've loved you. And there's a commitment to never, ever, ever stop loving you. So let me clothe you, he says. Let me feed you. Let me love you all the days of your life. So come. Come, Lord. Come. Come. Just receive his love. Just receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Yeah, we're just going to wait, see what God wants to do. So come. Come, Lord. Grace, what are you doing? Grace, what are you doing? Come, Lord. Come, Lord. If this is unfamiliar to you, we're just, um, we're just waiting to see what God wants to do. So as you wait, I would just, um, I would just open up your heart and say, God, I'm here. There's um, this provision. Um, God's God's speaking about provision. I just sense that um, David. I don't know. This makes no sense to tell this to you because I don't know. But I just feel like the Lord's saying there's provision. There's provision over you, and I don't just think that's money. I think there's um, there's different sorts of provision coming left, right, and center all over the place. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's in kindness or or. Um, time or I don't know there's just whatever you need provision is on its way hmm. some of you aren't well this morning some of you have got um, a pain in your body or you're um, 
or you're carrying an injury or something. And uh, if that's you, we just want to, why don't you, in fact, why don't you just, if that's you, if you've got a pain in your body or you're feeling um, unwell or something, why don't you just, where you are, just put your hand on that part of your body. Nobody's seen you, that's fine. If that's you, we're just going to speak healing over that part of your body. Mm. And actually, I think that goes for somebody's heart as well. I think somebody's like, like heart is hurting. There's pain. And so in the name of Jesus, we speak healing to that part of the body. We ask that the, uh, the love of God would just like melt over that injury and over that pain and over that heart. We speak healing to ligaments and to bones and to tendons and muscles that might have been torn and we say be healed in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Increase what you're doing, Lord. Come, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Increase what you're doing. Increase what you're doing. So I think quite a few of us will know, <clears throat> you know, that God's doing stuff with us now. Um, so if you're in that place, maybe just uh, stay there, maybe with your hands open or something, which so helps us know who you are. And then um, just encourage you to gather around, you know, look around, and if if those guys are there, um, just pray for them. But it's it's keep your eyes open when you're praying. Um, two reasons. One, uh, so you can see what God's doing and see what's happening. Two, if the power of God comes, it's powerful. You might need to catch them. So we don't want ice packs. Uh, and uh, so just keep your eyes open and see what God's doing. Um, we don't give advice to anyone. We just ask God to come because he knows what he's doing. But the great thing is when we pray for each other, you've got the power of God mm. changing things in our lives, which is amazing. Mm. So why don't we just look around and um, if you're engaged with God and you'd like to be prayed for, just mm -hmm. stay where you are. Other guys will gather around you. Can I just can I just ask just can can I just ask everyone to shut their eyes for a moment just to um if if you have a hurting if you feel like you have a broken heart right now, can you just raise your hands when nobody can see you? If your heart is breaking. Yeah. If you could just keep your eyes shut for a moment because I just want to protect these guys' dignity. I just want to pray over you guys. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let him come. Let him come. Yeah. Let him come. Let him come. Yeah. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's coming close. He's healing. You can just trust him, you guys. You can trust him. You can trust him. 
He's the healer. He's the restorer. He calls you by name. He knows every part of you, every thought, every action, every desire. He knows your future. He knows your past. Just let him come. Heal that heart. We speak healing over the words that might have been said. We speak healing over pain. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just keep receiving. We're gonna um we're gonna finish there. Um Graham, could you just I'm not gonna say that word. Can you just play? Okay. All right. Um there we go. Um I'm just going to pray for you and then please stay in that place. If you're engaged with God, stay in that place. Don't leave. And let's show Hesed to each other, eh? This week. And to those you don't know. So um, may the love of God bless you and keep you this week. May he watch over you. <laughs> lead you to take risks. Lead you to show Hesed everywhere you go and to receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Edinburgh Vineyard podcast. For details of our service times and small groups, please visit edinburghvineyard.org.